Hello and welcome to another episode of Anipop. Today I have two of my friends here, Emma and Maria. And Maria is a graphic designer and draws a lot of cute anime girls. And Emma is a fictional writer and is very knowledgeable in the whole anime sphere. Hi, I'm Emma. Hi, I'm Maria. And today we will be discussing one of the better animes that came out recently, which is Dr. Stone. So Emma has read quite a lot of manga and Maria has just finished season one. Season one. Yeah, mm -hmm. I finished season two recently, so basically we're kind of in the middle of just having season one and we can compare it to the whole season two and manga experience here. So what are your thoughts in general about the whole Dr. Stone cast? Personally, when I just like first started, uh, the anime was just like coming out, just like first episode, I knew absolutely nothing. At the very beginning, the characters didn't completely like click with me. I couldn't really find most of them like very yeah. enjoyable. Though I did like Senku because I just, I, I thought he was a pretty interesting main character because usually you don't have like his type of main yeah, characters. Different. But after a while, like as I like kept watching and everything, like everyone kind of grew on me. And at this point, I enjoy pretty much like the whole cast. Though, like, my fave character is, of course, Gen, because I like <laughs> bastard people. <laughs> Gen is very interesting, for sure. I do like him, too. And what about you, Maria? Uh, yeah, for me, actually, I really enjoyed Taiju, right? Uh, the buff dude from the very beginning. Yeah, the yeah. best friend, baby! <laughs> yes, yes. I actually really liked his very passionate, but, like, over-the-top oh, yeah. uh, characteristic. He's, like, simple, but he's, like, very passionate about Wholehearted, yeah, it's, yeah. It's sweet. I really liked it. I liked his love story, even even though I don't usually like romance anime. But in this case, it was like really over the top. It was sweet. And then they introduced Senku as well. So the first three characters actually really... I thought they all had some kind of flavor from the beginning. So I, I really, really enjoyed it. like at the very beginning when you just like learn about just like Senku, Taiju, Yuzuria. They're just like really good friends. It's just really yeah. nice just to see actually characters who seem like they're good friends. Yeah. And not just yeah, like exactly people it. who are just like put next to each other. Yeah. Because like they have this dynamic. They're very different. All of them are very different characters. Like, like Taiju and Yuzuri are like kind of similar in a way. Like you can see why they like each other. Yeah, but still they, they have their own differences. Like Yuzuriha is more like this fragile yet happy and like very kind type of person. And Taiju is a very like kind-hearted but very straightforward considering Yuzuriha is more... <laughs> well, she will think before she speaks. Exactly. Taiju won't. Yeah. That's the main difference, I think in them. They're both very optimistic and very extroverted compared to Senku, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, like, their dynamic plus Senku is just beautiful to me. And, like, I really like the fact that even though, like, Senku is, like, the genius uh, and Taiju and Yuzuri are, like, really that smart and, like, Senku does, like, call out, like, he calls, like, uh, Taiju, like, big idiot, big oaf. But the fact is that he still, even though Senku is, like, the smart one and Taiju, like, isn't, that's clear, but he doesn't, like, belittle him for that. Like, he still sees what Taiju is good at and that Senko isn't good at those things like physical and anything like that's emotional and it's a nice dynamic that he doesn't actually like just call him like oh I'm just way better than everyone oh I can do everything but actually he does uh, just agree that uh, some people are good at this some people are good at that and nobody's better than anyone else yeah that's for sure alrighty so let's talk about specifically season one cast for those who don't know Dr. Stone it's based in like this modern world goes to post a 
post-apocalyptic world due to what would you call it petrification? petrification just like one day this green light envelops the whole earth and suddenly every human turns into stone so the cast is basically those people that we just discovered which are the main trio they get resurrected and also they resurrect another person who is the main you couldn't call him a villain he's, like, he's like a rival i guess mm-hmm. and hero anti-hero yeah something like like at the beginning he is an antagonist yeah at season one he's definitely antagonistic okay. but like later on you find a bigger cast you find surviving people how do you feel about those survivors like kohaku and the like the whole village yeah the whole village that they find i like the fact that kohaku is basically the jock of the team like <laughs> oh, for sure. yeah. like yeah. senku's the nerd and she's the jock <laughs> It's so fun to have a female character that is introduced. Well, we can talk about the <laughs> individual female designs and stuff like that. But as a character, it's really nice to see someone athletic. Plus, she gets back on her feet really quickly and she gets a grasp of things really quickly. So it's really nice to have a female character as a lead and be strong and very individualistic, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like, the only thing, like, from a design standpoint, I was just, like, kind of a bit, like, sad that she is the jock she's supposed to be like strong and everything and yet she still looks like no muscle or anything on her because she can't have any muscle (laughs) because she's a lady she's a lady every character is a lady even though they're very strong in characteristics and they all wear ribbons i guess because that makes them girls Cutesy clothing. Like, she has a sister. And the sister is very fragile, very sick, and she's the beauty of the village because she's, like, the chief's daughter that's gonna get married. she's the priestess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's supposed to look fragile, yet she has the curves and everything. But, like, that's besides the point. I understand her design. I understand her dress because she's supposed to be alluring or something. And I understand why they chose it for her, specifically. However, Kohaku is, like you said, the jock of the team and just seeing that she has the same body as... Uh, Rudy. And like, it's just frustrating to see that they're so very different in both like metabolism and activities and yet they have the same body types. They do say that she's like a more tomboyish version, but I she only She doesn't can... look like yeah, it. Yeah, she doesn't Like the only like... fact is that she has like her hair done up in like a ponytail. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only thing. But I guess like from a design standpoint, since she is like Kohaku is the main heroine, like she is the main girl character. I guess they just really needed to have like a sexy girl to attract more readers yeah it's kind of saddening because we talked about this before but most of the characters or female characters have the same body type same design and almost the same face yeah so yeah and the male characters are so very different they're like buff they're lean they're different heights even i don't think the girls are that different in height <laughs> it's like slightly shorter yeah, than yeah, yeah. But, but that's pretty much it um, like Later in, in season two, this one character introduced Nikki. She is a bit different. She is like actually buff. She's mm, yeah. tall and everything. Okay. And she's Can't supposed wait for to be like that. Yeah. And like a little bit later during like in the manga, there's also like this one like American woman. She's also like, she's big, she's buff. So there are like at least a few exceptions, mm-hmm. but they are they're exceptions. Not, but they're like not popular. Yeah. They're, like personally, I like Nikki, but she's not a popular character. She's not popular because she's like, 
like buff and she's like straightforward with her points but that i wonder if that was intentional to make the show more popular with the girls and then introduce more different female characters but also there are so many shows that do it better in yeah this, uh, for sure yeah. yeah like you can see that the manga was actually both written and illustrated by two different guys right but they're both men let's talk about that i know that just like trivia things uh, that boichi he's like the artist at the very beginning he before starting dr stone he had been uh, working on a different manga and in that manga all of the characters were adults and the fact is that when he started uh, working on dr stone the characters were supposed to be like 15 16 and yet everyone looked like they were like in their 20s just because <laughs> he was so used to drawing adult characters so yeah. it's just kind of funny that if you keep reading the manga the characters they're supposed to grow older like currently in the manga arc like where it's stopped senku is supposed to be i think 21 he looks way younger than when like the manga began <laughs> and oh the, like when the manga began he was 15 and now when he's 21 he looks younger <laughs> just because like the artist like i guess he grew more accustomed to drawing like younger characters and now everyone just looks baby oh no <laughs> so as a designer yourself because you do design women yeah I do what do you think design. about the whole sexualization of it in dr stone yeah you know i'm not sure their age the girl's age around 16 17 teenagers yeah. yeah yeah i would assume that similar age to senku so i always feel weird about that just like underage characters being underdressed i guess <laughs> <laughs> underdressed like very hourglass figure which is which is fine you know sometimes but then again i'm talking about the whole cast and 90 percent of that is the same body type so it's kind of i think they could do more with that i'm fine with that i like hourglass figures i do draw that myself and it's all fine but i would love some variation it just would add another layer to the design that is much needed in anime yeah <laughs> so you think that they should redesign some of the characters i don't necessarily think they should redesign them but if i were to do the designs i would have definitely put more effort into i guess exaggerating some points of the characteristics like again kohaku being very strong and very nimble and stuff like that would help her physical appearance as well yes i definitely agree with that because again in season one at the end or season two at the start you see the new girl homura mm -hmm. yeah she's in season one yeah so she's very athletic as well but she's more into gymnastics which is supposed to be more like fragile and body like lean muscle yes because muscle. like they still need to have like a lot of muscle but it's just a different type of it so you get to see her being very like jumping around trees and very sporty in that area and kohaku she doesn't necessarily keep up by jumping from tree to tree but she does try and she gets to a very similar type of level so i do think that her muscle is more based like homura's however then it doesn't make sense how can she lift things yeah and she is said to be like a pretty strong just in general character like just when the whole chief competition was happening she could easily beat up the guys yes yeah and like she hunts animals like she would constantly bring that huge water i don't know how to call it not, not a 
bowl, <laughs> just the whole water crate, and that thing weighs a ton. Yeah. Yeah. It is said that she does lift the heavy pots filled with water. However, the trivia says that she's very fast and agile, which, like I said before, that she's like an all-rounder. Exactly. Then why does one of the main characters, Chrome, refer to her as a gorilla if she doesn't even look like it? She looks like a model. Yeah. Let's yeah. face it. She looks like a very Instagram model. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very Instagrammy model. She looks like she's like lean with beautiful curves, and yet she still gets to be called gorilla. And at, at one point, I think they kind of like compare her to Ruri, and they say like, if you like put your hair down, you would look almost exactly like Ruri. So like, are you also going to call Ruri gorilla? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make sense, but he does mean it as in her strength yeah. and her personality. Mm -hmm. However, there's nothing outside of her strength and personality. There's nothing. Yeah, there's on always the appearance. like that shortcoming that we need to make a character sexy. We need to make them appealing so that more usually teenage boys read it. Yeah. Because like I mean, let's face it, it's a shonen series. It is a shonen it's series. It's mainly targeted to like teenage boys. Yeah, I would totally agree because I would be fine with that actually if the characters were looking similar. But then we have Senku as well as Ken and compare them to Magma oh and like God. see the difference in the stature, in the even the facial design, everything. And you know that uh, those are the characters that are more intellectual. Well, we shouldn't maybe <laughs> stereotype, but still. And then Magma is very, very physical. So I think the same should be applied to the female characters as well. I think so too. Yeah. Let's talk about Gen a little bit more since we already introduced him. Emma, he's one of your favorite characters. Why don't you talk about him and introduce him to the audience? Well, he's one of my favorite characters just generally because I like manipulative characters. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and characters who, like, their moral compasses may not be, like, entirely good, bad. They do things for their own benefits. But what I like about him that even though he says that he's, like, shallow, he basically turned his allegiances just for, like, a bottle of cola. But then later, as you keep watching, like, the story and everything, you learn that it's not actually that. He's just a complete liar. And at the very beginning, he had already been, like, interested, like, Senku in just, like, the whole science aspect, just because, like, he had seen the carving. And I think he didn't really even fully agree with Tsukasa's whole ideal, his whole shtick. And he had already decided where his allegiances would lie, but he was just like, oh, no, maybe I'm gonna, like, betray you. Maybe I'm gonna say this. Maybe I'm gonna say that. Nah, he was just lying all the time. But I think that's why I enjoy him as a character, because he tries to pretend that he doesn't care about people, he isn't nice, he's doing things for his own self, and yet he is actually a nice person. He like constantly helps everyone out, he gets perfectly along with children, he knows how to like boost morale because he is like a mentalist. I believe that those type of characters are just extra spice to the anime. Yeah, add some chaos and... Uh, exactly, chaos uh, is like, a wild card. A little bit of a wild card. We have the strong buff guys, like Magma and the guards, Kinro and Kinro. <laughs> sure, buff. <laughs> I mean, let's let's face it. There are like people who actually like fight. Manpower. Yes, yeah. manpower and Kohaku. Mm -hmm. And then we have the smart people and the crafty people. Smart people, crafty people. And then in the middle, we have the wild card, which is Gen. Yeah, and it just he's... really ties everything. Yeah, but the, the thing is that he's not, he doesn't do anything physical, but he's also not like smart, smart in like the way that like Senku is. He yeah. doesn't know like uh, science or anything, but he's people smart. Exactly. And he can like really help uh, with everything that is uh, an aspect of from the emotional part, from psychological part. And I 
mean just like the very first few seasons is a war and these kinds of people are important in a war because they can help with like strategies they usually like are one of like the most important people who plan everything yes, out. the negotiator and everything mm-hmm. he has some major like social communicable skills that are very needed because we already saw Senku trying to communicate what is in his mind important to the people and just people don't get it so he comes in as a narrator and he's like oh he means this and that and they're like oh you know sometimes the genius part really falls short just for lacking social communicable skills yeah and what I like about their dynamic is that usually Gen is supposed to be the mediator he's supposed to be like the face of the group he's supposed to be the one talking and yet like Senku just comes in and she says everything like straightforward we do this and this and Gen is like god this isn't how we manipulate people this isn't how we get people on our side and yet like it's it's just a fun dynamic between both of them it has that extra comedy to the show but also it does prove its point very nicely because like if you take them both of them as like the comedy duo Gen plays the straight man like uh, Senku says something like completely outlandish and Gen's like what the fuck (laughs) exactly I also really like that they don't dismiss the emotional intelligence that is all like you said it it was so needed in these situations and they show that it actually is needed it's not just oh I can crunch the numbers you know oh I can build a gun (laughs) yeah yeah. exactly because I believe that Gen is like communicating what Senku should be portraying with his passion for science but he can't really like like you say feel it out to the people yeah he's the bridge exactly and it's so perfect because in this post-apocalyptic world people don't actually understand it and Senku is just very dry with his explanations and without actual representation example they won't fully get it and then you have the mediator who's like hey this is going to happen like this and it was very popular in our era and everything's like that and they're like oh okay now we understand now we're motivated to work on this it's also not just Senku saying things like like the really outlandish things from the modern world I like that they are the only two people in the village that actually understand each other on the next level because they have lived in the modern world and it's really funny to see the reaction of like eating cotton candy or ramen or something like that and then also seeing Gen's reaction to it because well he has seen it already (laughs) he already has something to compare it to it's not something completely new to him yeah like when Senku made ramen and it was like out of not the foxtail something like that yeah Yeah, like not not from wheat the Mm -hmm. noodles the soba was not the proper soba that was supposed to be used for ramen and yet everyone loved it and Gen was like oh it's not the same but I'm still impressed that he can like knock it out like Like it's not just like just meat or just fish exactly it's it's something more complex so he's like oh it's not that but it's very very close and other people who have never had ramen before they're like just snorting it all in man (laughs) (laughs) they're like wow this is the food of the gods Okay, so Gen is very important, but let's talk about Chrome for a second here. Mm. How do you feel about Chrome and his relationship to Senku? I love him. I mean, same, same, fair point. As I said in the beginning, I really like passionate characters. And Senku is one of those, but he's, like, cool about it. And Chrome is very not cool about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, the exact opposite. What, yeah. is Chrome not a cool character? <laughs> I'm sorry, He Chrome. took the spot of the spiky brown-haired best friend. Like, yes. yes. Oh After God. Taiju, he was like, okay, now I'm this dude. Yeah. Oh God, I felt the same while watching it. Too. But, like, he's a dork. He is a dork, let's face that. He 
he thought that science was magic. Yeah, yeah. and he was so proud of it. <laughs> he was so passionate about finding like different color of smoke and like, yeah, like making in the fire, fire the, the rainbow bridge or how however he called it. He's like, look at this, and like no one cares. No yeah. one cares because they're like, we have real problems like maintaining the whole village. And he's like, you're just not appreciative of my magic tricks. And it's like just so ridiculous because we know that he's doing it from the passion of his heart. Yeah, and no one appreciates it until Senku comes in and even shows him better things. Mm-hmm. And he's like, whoa. And he, he can sh- Senku shows him basically where he can apply his knowledge and where he can apply his talents. Because before that, he was basically like the outcast. Like he even had like a separate hut outside of the village. He yeah. just kept doing his own thing. And yet then Senku comes and he's like, no, actually you've been doing like very important stuff. And this is a very important skill that you've been like developing. Yeah, and as Senku said, he represents the people that would try anything. And it just happens because uh, most of the progress in science world does happen like that with just sheer passion and luck. <laughs> yeah, oh people God. are just curious about things. We want to find out stuff and Chrome was just like extra curious. Yeah, and I also think he represents the people watching it because Senku, again, this whole show kind of shows you again how important science is and how we should be appreciative of the things that we have and how we have them. So uh, I think Chrome actually feels the same things that the viewer does. Oh my god, girl, I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's so so straight to the point. Yeah, he does represent the people, and like you said, he represents, like, the seeking out knowledge of the people. Yeah. And just like how the first time when Senko explained to him how the modern world worked, how many things we had, and he just got genuinely emotional about, like, all of the stuff that was lost, how much humanity had progressed, and then we lost everything. Yeah. That's like me whenever I think of that library in Greece. Ah, that burned. <laughs> the Al- Alexandria. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, sometimes I do watch a movie and I think of... There's, like, a movie that has past uh, knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, damn, you know, it really does sound like something we could have had if Alexandria was not burned. We could because, have progressed like, as well. Most of the things we probably... We still have it because humanity still evolves at, like, a pace. But we could have had it, like, a lot earlier. Exactly. Yeah. So we would be, like, what, a thousand years advanced by now, I would say. Because those books were, like, medicine book, history books like everything that humanity needed and it just gone and i kind of feel like chrome on those seconds when he's appreciating what humanity has to offer through senku yeah. i'm like that's exactly a perfect representation of how i feel about alexandria mm-hmm. yeah and i really love the show because it does show you from step to step the things that we enjoy i don't know playing computer games and exactly, stuff like that yeah. and we don't well i didn't <laughs> i i'm not a science gal <laughs> but i didn't have any knowledge of how it happens I was like yeah it does happen from the minerals like what the earth has to offer but I never paid attention to it and the show actually does pay attention to it and it, well yeah it shows science in like an exciting way even though yes. you you don't like completely understand what the hell Senku is talking about about all of like the chemical compounds and everything all that but yet it still explains to you that we need this we need that and all of these things together they make a thing that you are just so used to having that you don't even think how it works where yes. it comes yes. from and that's why I think that people like Gen and Chrome are so important because they're like those stepping stones and explaining that as well. Yeah. Not just like showing examples of what they're doing, but they're actually explaining and they're like, Gen, for example, oh yeah, we have this, right? And it's gonna make this. And we're like, oh, so Senku is explaining something we know and Gen is like just portraying it with his words. Yeah, you know, this show should be showed in schools. 
oh my God. <laughs> or at least recommended because this is how you do educational you make science, it entertaining yeah. it's yeah. chemistry and physics for yeah, sure yeah. because when I had a Hatalia mm-hmm. phase you did too yes uh, you actually learn about the history it of countries yeah, without knowing do. it <laughs> and even I if you Prussia. didn't like completely like learn a lot of things you just it makes it easier for you to learn along the way if you're, like you're still in school because you're already a bit like excited about that thing because like maybe you're watching something maybe you're reading something and you can compare it and you're like oh so it's kind of like that and that and it just makes it easier for you to learn about yeah. it yeah if you have like a favorite character let's say from Hatalia right and you want to learn more about that character you're just gonna pay more attention throughout any other source being school or the internet or books or whatever you're learning from you're just gonna have more motivation to learn yeah. it and after watching the show I was really excited to watch like documentaries and stuff because it just reminded me that science exists <laughs> just knowledge is a fun thing yeah, yeah, yeah. so I do believe that like you said it is a high recommendation for like younger kids or just in general people in school however I do want to point out that during the series they do give that Senku bot right who mm-hmm. says oh this will do that and this will do that however don't try this at home yeah because they actually explain how to make like a bomb yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and that's dangerous that's also like science is a double-edged sword you can use it against people and for people and bombs are really easy to make exactly <laughs> you mix like two different like chemicals and you have like mustard gas or something oh my god <laughs> so when you said that oh this should be like recommended for schools i just got like these flashbacks to that senku bot being like please don't do this <laughs> please yeah. don't do this he on your own explains how to do it which is like maybe ask your parents to help <laughs> oh and by the way emma you did mention that again is very important to portraying social skills what do you think about the whole social skills being developed in the village itself without any senku interventions like the little thing that uh, when i was like reading the manga because at the very beginning when i was watching the anime i didn't really think about it that much but once i was reading it it just kind of like gave me a bit more time to like think about this and well i have studied like linguistics philology and a little thing is that every let's say couple hundred of years language usually evolves that much that it's difficult to even discern that it's the same language even like if you look at like old english even like the writing the words there can be like different letters uh, different like grammatical rules and everything language evolves pretty quickly actually just like think maybe like 50 years ago there's a ton of words that completely knew that uh, maybe your parents if they just like came up to your room and they said like what's cringe they wouldn't maybe they wouldn't know or they would know a different definition of the word because words also gain uh, different definitions because language is an alive thing it constantly evolves like together with people and like the more people there are like the more their cultures uh, it can evolve faster but in like dr stone we know that like the ishigami village has been basically thriving about four thousand years and when senku meets them for the first time he can easily communicate with them like no problem only like they don't know some of the words that he uses that are like modern words like computer telephone they have no clue what that means but most of like everything else it's pretty much the same and if you actually looked from like 
like a realistic standpoint, from like a, a linguistic one, Senko wouldn't have been able to actually speak with anyone in the Ishigami village because during like the 3,700 years that they were petrified, while the village had like time to just like new generations grow, new people, even if a community is small, new words, new ways of language constantly evolve, maybe just like at a slower pace, but it would still have been like really difficult to, to actually talk with them. So I understand from like the writing perspective why like they didn't do that. It's just easier to like immediately communicate with like new characters. And it also like added a little bit of like the mystery at like the very beginning. Is Kohaku just like, did she wake up recently? Is she like a recent descendant, maybe a couple generations? And then they learn that it's been like almost like 4,000 years. But if they wanted to, they could have also added from a realistic standpoint that Senko would have been able to communicate with anyone from the Ishigami village and would have needed like maybe use charades, just like pointing, just like how people usually uh, learn the different languages at the very beginning. And I think it would have been like a different hurdle that he needed to pass, but like I understand why they didn't do it. Yeah, because when you say linguistics, right, let's take for example Japanese, they're all speaking Japanese, Yeah. but when you think about them being descendants from literally people who are non-Japanese, there's like American, Russian, so I'm like Connie Lee, she was like Chinese I think? Maybe. She has like an American name and then Chinese last She could name. have been like Chinese, I mean like mixed, uh, maybe like yeah. second generation. Yeah, because in the dub, yes, I watched the dub. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry everyone. <laughs> uh, she definitely has like the cowboy American accent. <laughs> she is American. It says oh, sorry, I was talking about, what's her name, the blonde girl? Uh, Lillian? Yeah. So yeah, she, she is American. Yeah, she's yeah. definitely American. Yeah. She's the definition but, of yeah, European with Connie Lee, she might be like a second generation uh, like Chinese American. Yeah. She didn't speak with an accent, so I would assume that she was speaking English, like good English. But then again, because it's the, the dub. Yeah, they but don't yeah. really have accent-y things. No, 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 they did. Oh, they did. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. I, I had like at one point, like I checked a few things from the dub and like there's at one point like Senko and Genli just like imitate like talking like a southern accent. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, what? Yeah, <laughs> it was really weird listening to that. <laughs> No, but like, okay, in the pool we have three different languages. One of the guys is talking Japanese, mm -hmm. which was the Senku's dad. And then we have literally like English and Russian. Yeah, they were mixed, but we need to remember the fact that Byakuya was basically the only one who survived from like the crew. So he was the only one who actually taught the kids. So at the very oh, beginning, I think the crew sense. mostly they spoke English because like that would be like the, the general language that everyone would speak. But once Byakuya was left alone, I think it was just way easier for him to speak with the children in Japanese and that's just the language that basically went from there. Everything just stayed with Japanese. Because my thought was like, oh, are they gonna mix some new words in from Russian? Yeah, they could have like easily... I think like, fun. like are they called like pidgin languages? That basically when like when colonization was happening, the invaders would come to a new, let's say, island or something. The people there couldn't really speak that but they would, well, they were invaders in like English. They would force the people to learn their language but because they couldn't completely like they still use their own language it would just basically a mix would happen from like both languages because like the colonizers they would still stay at that place they would uh, make houses and everything and the people like the natives they would also still stay and they still needed a way to communicate so after a while like down like several generations there would just be like a mix of both languages and people would just like be used to using that mix yeah that is the pigeon language yeah yeah okay That's i remember like, <laughs> correctly it's not like it's like grammatically simplified yeah 
language for because they would still need like to communicate but after a while it just basically would become like the default language a frankenstein of sorts yeah so i was thinking why don't they throw in like new words you know like oh these are stars instead of hoshi which is a japanese star they were like star mite right Mm. instead of hoshi mite like (laughs) it just would make more sense if they would mix it up i guess since like the writer and everything like they do have like consultants for like the science part like a bit later on in the manga they have like one chapter where they do a lot of like cocktail mixes and the whole chapter has a consultant that was like a bartender so they have like extra people who consult them on like these specific like topics and i guess they never really considered the linguistic topic that just never came up they had way too many other things to consider yeah that's true because like considering the fact that they have to write a nice cast a good plot story solve the mystery without making it too obvious of course it's just a lot of things yeah and especially the science part i think they put more thought that that is that is like the main the main hook (laughs) yeah Yeah, and also probably the average viewer wouldn't really notice those linguistic works like as i said like when i was watching the first season i didn't like even think about it that much but then when i started reading one was like hey wait a minute (laughs) yeah yeah it makes sense then but then again this is just a shonen yeah manga and it was just one extra thing they could have used but they didn't and i understand why they didn't do it yeah what do you think about the main character into the village emma you have mentioned before that he's like a more genius type rather than like muscular why do you think they specifically made him like that like senko as a main character yeah like his hair stands out his uh, (laughs) general like genetics stand out i guess in his i mean brain (laughs) is that the right word intelligence mostly like from his design i would say that he's albino probably because well you have the light hair you have the red eyes you have like the slightly worse physical condition because usually albino people will also be more like generalized i don't know that much but i just know that they usually have like more like genetic problems they usually aren't like it's hard to go out in the sun because they don't have like that much melanin but like as a personality i think he is a pretty interesting main character just from the fact that usually in shonen series you're pretty used that there is like a lot of action but there's also like gonna be like side romance i don't know think about like naruto bleach like boku no hero like there are still like some sort of like semblances of romance like i really enjoy about senku that he's just like completely against that like girls like confess to him he's like please don't yeah we, we have other things to do now later in the manga like th- this one girl basically asks him like will you be my boyfriend he's like oh god no <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is what he would say it's so interesting because this is the type of character i would personally usually see a more sane and type of shows. yeah it's usually like you would think that it's more like mature type because usually like it's so like it's a shonen series it will be geared mostly to like younger audiences or like teenagers and like romance is a thing that's popular between that and yet they decided not to go that way and i personally i really enjoyed like i kind of like had canned senko's like ace and maybe arrow because he's just like not interested in anything of that but like there are also like different like headcans and everything like all of that is valid but just i personally think that it is really refreshing to see a yeah. character who's just like not really that interested in romance or anything like that and there's no like that gratuitous fan service where like oh i accidentally tripped and fell in your boobs or like your <laughs> ass or something like that yeah. like there is fan service but it's mostly from like how the panels are drawn or like how the anime is shot that is like the show sexualizing characters but it's not mostly like the characters like sexualizing each other yeah yeah, yeah. we actually see a literal dork as the main character you know, he's a nerd yeah he is a nerd he's he's science sexual oh my god that's a great word i mean him. one one of his like catchphrases is i'm getting excited 
excited. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> that is his catchphrase. Like he has like 10 billion percent usually, but like anything that's like high chance it's 10 billion. Then if it's low chance it's one millimeter. And then if like something's like fun, oh we're gonna like make this new thing. And he's like, oh I'm getting excited. Oh this is exciting. And you're like, well calm down boy. Yeah, so when you say that, oh here we have like a science nerd and we have the best friend. I want to actually talk about another character that I find also very important to the show, but also like not sexualized and not being strong, but has their own like uniqueness, which is Suika. Oh, I love her. Oh my god. <laughs> best girl Suika. Yeah. She's like a small child. Finally, a lolly that isn't <laughs> like sexualized. I, I usually don't really like child characters in like any media, and yet Suika is just like one of my fave characters. She's such a sweet girl. And she is, yeah. And the fact that she didn't bully C without like glasses was very important to the story because when Senku found out that one of the guards, Kinro, didn't see anything and Suika as well had bad eyesight and he fixed it for her and then she saw a beautiful flower field of sunflowers. Oh, I almost cried. <laughs> Say, I, I had goosebumps, I was tearing up, I was like, girl! It was very beautiful. Yeah. And I can she... just like say a little like spoiler from the manga, like at first she's like, I want to like be detective, like she calls like this detective Suika. A bit later because like she does like really like Senku just like as a person because he yeah. was basically the first one who validated her. He said that you can do something you are like you are useful basically yeah. because before that she was an outcast because she couldn't see well and she wasn't really well useful and then he said no you can help us. Well it was for many like selfish reasons but he also like he gave her a lot of self-confidence and she does like really enjoy him as a person and she later begins leaning more towards like the science side. She also like basically she becomes like a little like also scientist. She wow. starts trying like to so learn a, a lot of things like to help out and I think that's really cute. Yeah, that's adorable. We can see that hey, there's this really curious girl who just wants to help out the main character. The main character is like, yeah, you can help me out. Here are some glasses. Let's go do things. And then she becomes so loyal that she gets interested into things that he's interested. That is so cute. Yeah, I just find like their relationship is really sweet and her relationship with Kohaku is also like really nice. Like they aren't, I don't think like it's ever said that they are like really related or anything, but yet they act like the big and little sister. Like it's really sweet also how Kohaku is always like really worried about her if like something happens with Suika. Because like these type of relationships, let's say between Senku and Suika, right? Mm -hmm. And Kohaku and Suika, they really make the story wholesome. They really like give us something that we need to like protect and care about. So if something bad happens to their bond or the character in, in general, we would feel bad and we would want them to like get back up. And that's the type of care that is so important to the story, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. People usually get attached more to characters if they see them acting as people, like if they see certain like characteristics that are similar to theirs or they just see different like relationships and people like seeing people who have like deeper bonds or just different kind of relationships with others. So are there any other characters you would like to talk about? I mean, I have a few in the manga that I know, but like you don't really know oh, them. No. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think those would be way too many spoilers. Yeah, later they're like some American characters and I just personally think they're really interesting, but like I'm not gonna spoil too much. Yeah. 
Do they show up in the third season, maybe? No, from what I think, the third season is probably gonna be the Petrification Island. There are gonna be a few characters that I enjoy, like there's this girl like Kirisame. She's pretty cool, but well, she doesn't have like that much showtime. <laughs> in the Petrification Island, it's kind of like a beach episode. <laughs> a really, a really long beach episode. So like a whole season? There's gonna be like cross-dressing, there's gonna be like oh makeup, like the, we're gonna have like a whole makeover and everything. <laughs> but after that, then probably like the fourth season is gonna be them going to America. Wow. So it's still gonna take a while. <laughs> yeah, because I was gonna ask, what do you think what will the future hold for the story and in general like the popularity of the show and the manga? And like, while Emma, you have already read quite a bit, what do you think? Is it going to be a classic anime in the next five years? Is it still gonna be talked about? The thing is that, at least from what I've seen, it's not really that popular in the Western side, but uh, Japanese fans seem to be like really into it. <laughs> so at least, I mean, in Japan, it's still popular, but I don't really know that much about like the Western side. Somehow I don't think it really like completely clicked with people, maybe? Maybe because like it's more still oriented to like Japanese culture being brought back by science. Yeah, I mean, it's still it's mainly about Japan, though a bit like, as I said later in the manga, they go to America, like the US, then they go to South America, then they travel to Spain, to India, like the whole world. They do travel to the whole world and they are like different characters that aren't just Japanese. Like I think in the third season, you, well, yeah, you will see Francois. They are most likely a mix of uh, Japanese and French. Uh, then after a bit later, you meet like a bunch of American characters. And recently in the manga, there were like a few Spanish people, but none of them like became an important character. They just met some Spanish people. <laughs> and like currently where the manga is, they're in India at the moment. So yeah, just like global. <laughs> they are global. Oh my god. Maybe if the anime keeps going and like in the fourth season when they go to America, maybe it might interest some of like the Western viewers because like still usually like American viewers that like make up like the biggest part of like the fandom, at least in, like in the Western part. And maybe once they see that there are like American characters, they'll be like, oh, okay, I, I can relate to that. Because like I do believe that Dr. Stone is quite popular among people who actually have seen quite a lot of shows and they can like differentiate what is a good story and what is yeah. just another harem isekai type of story, right? There are like some but stories that are just like, you know, like snack food, you can like consume them quickly, yeah. they're entertaining, mm. but they're not like gonna stay that much for really long with you. And with Dr. Sona, I think it's still like pretty easily consumable, it is made in that way, but it does have like a lot more substance, at least like in my yeah. opinion. It does stay in mind longer due to characters being very different and interesting. Like you said, in the fourth season... Maybe possible fourth season. It's possibly that, yeah, they will reach America and maybe then it will be more even nostalgic for Western side, especially like America, since I do believe that they're gonna be touching up on their culture. A, bit. a little bit, yeah. They have like a reason why they specifically need to go to America and they do mention some things that are like really like specific to at first like the, the US, then they go to like the Southern America, then like geographical things, cultural things. So maybe that could attract a, yeah, a few more yeah. fans. What do you think, Maria? I actually don't know. I think for me, Dr. Stone, I was hesitant about watching Dr. Stone um, was because the design-wise, the art-wise, it didn't quite click. Like, Attack on Titan is uh, very, like, darkish, grunge, you know. You, just looking at the characters, you can tell that it's military type of show. The whole, I guess, medieval side, you can tell from the 
architecture and stuff like that. And I think from an artistic standpoint, these characters are kind of mismatched. Yeah. And I think if the theme was more throughout, it would be more appealing for Western audience. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. Because you have to watch an episode to actually enjoy it before watching it. And I tried to um, tell someone to actually see the show and they said, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is about. Should I give it a chance? Because it looks mismatched and kind of more of an isekai anime, mm. you know, with the um, different colored hair, but also their normal looking characters. And also the setting isn't quite, of course, it changes throughout the show, but it's not as prominent as other True. shows may yeah, portray. Because like just looking at like Senku's design, he looks very anime. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like th that's an anime design. That's an anime protagonist, right? There. <laughs> like that's like, he could be like a character in Yu-Gi-Oh! or something like without the hair. Yeah, Homura too. I like those designs. I think they're fun and I would like to see more of those fun designs. But also the other characters don't match. A lot of like most of the cast actually look pretty normal. Like even like in anime standards kind of like most of them look like they have like dark brown hair. They have blonde yeah, hair. There's like not, not even that much like you don't see like, uh, like blue hair, like green hair, yeah. like that much. Like Senku is like mainly like an exception and there are like a few more characters but there are like exceptions mostly. Even though it's really well animated, it has those like weird, you know, expressions that are really fun and stuff like that. Uh, in the manga, like uh, usually when you, you have like close-ups to them, Oichi, he like really draws like the expressions really well. It, yeah, it's yeah. just a very nice style. Yeah, it, it is a nice style. I actually, even before I said the female character designs are kind of off, but I do like the style of their faces. The eyes are, I think, really pretty. And uh, like, I'm not dissing the art <laughs> at all, but I think it just needs like great package. I think a more yeah, I what you're saying. Yeah, well-rounded package. I guess it's like a thing that you just you have to try it out, then you will probably like yeah. like it because it does hook you in pretty quickly. But if you're not entirely sure and you just look at like maybe like a poster or something and you're just like, eh, maybe it's not my cup of tea. Because uh, looking at even the anime list title page and there's an image of, I think it's a promotional image probably. Yeah, it's a poster. Yeah, I cannot tell from looking at it what the <laughs> What is the show about? <laughs> it's, it's like a, I, I don't know, there's a onion man in the front, there's some old dwarf, like it looks even fantasy-like almost looking oh, at it. Oh, yeah, 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 I see. In a way, if you like want to get like technical about it, you could say it is an isekai type of show yeah, because, because they different. wake up in a different world, there's like kind of like a bit more like different rules, though not that much, it's still something completely new for them. But yeah, just from the poster, it would be difficult. Like when I just started watching, it, I just decided to try it out when the first episode came out. I knew absolutely nothing. I started watching, I was like, I have no clue what to expect from this. But like, you see, on my anime list, it is ranked quite high. Yeah. It is 8.3. That's it's great. It's <laughs> it very is. Popularity 69. You have to watch oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, but like, would you recommend it to your friends more often? I have been recommending it to everyone. Oh. Same, I, I have too. I have managed to rope in several people. <laughs> nice. But yeah, it is like an anime that I too believe is a comfortable anime to offer to people. If it's not their thing, it's not their thing. But if they do enjoy like this a little bit slight of isekai vibe to it, because again, it's post-apocalyptic world, and uh, just the main character not being all that happy-go-lucky and everything is just turning out his way with no effort, right? Not like a tournament arc type of anime. If they are into more brain things <laughs> <laughs> and just thinking about There's the plot. There's some brawny things there too. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> 
Tsukasa punched a lion and killed him in one punch. <laughs> oh my god, step on me. That he had the power of anime <laughs> on his side. True, true. I think that this anime would be more interesting for a little bit older audience. Like, by older, I don't mean like young teenagers. I mean. Maybe seven- like young adults. Yeah, young adults. Or something from like 17 and so on, like to 25. That would be a good range, right? That would be the main audience that already done with all the fighting, all the happy go lucky. It's time to actually sit down and think about things, but still be excited about it. Like, it's just yeah. a bit more, I would say, like morally complex. Because yeah. even from like. Like the whole war thing that at the very beginning, like the science versus uh, brawn thing, you can understand where Tsukasa is coming from. You can understand where Senku is coming from. Later, when they have like their strategic, like what do we do? How do we like go to war? But yet we don't really want to like to kill anyone. How do we do that? And even what kind of plans they come up with? Not all of them will be like really like morally, like philosophically, like correct ethically. (laughs) But uh, they still try to like find out ways that aren't just like, oh, this is like good, this is evil, black and white, there's no in-between. Yeah, I also wanted to say that they're trying their best to figure things out. I mean, it's still like a shonen series, it's like mainly almost every single antagonist that they face will eventually like join their team because it's the power of friendship. (laughs) But it's not, there's still like a little bit of mix, it's not just that. Yeah. So what would you two rank this anime out of 10? I don't know. I mean, I generally, I really enjoy it. Maybe like 9, 9.5. Yeah. Yeah, I would say 9 for sure. Even more, maybe. Yeah. When I watched the first episode, I was rolled right in. I just couldn't stop watching. So very few animes actually do that for me. Yeah, so for I me, I had been like watching the first season at first and I had been like maybe thinking about reading the manga. And then like other stuff, just I, I kind of forgot about it. Then season two came out and I had been watching like maybe about half of it at one point i was just like i'm tired of waiting every week to know what goes on i'm just gonna read the manga (laughs) because it was just generally that interesting to me yeah then that's a very good show and those are some high rankings i would also like give it an 8.5 a very high rating as well so yeah with that i guess we are all done about our rant about dr stone yep Yep. thank you for listening to it and i'll see you next time see ya Bye -bye. bye bye